Devin and Morgana have been celebrating midlife love by getting married a hundred times in a hundred countries. They believe grown-up love gets better and more fun, especially for women. Everyone's smarter, wiser. Men are more relationship-ready. And if they're not, it's obvious. Forget anything you were told about being too old or too late for love and adventure. Instead, get fresh new tips on dating, relating, and travel to exotic destinations. And best of all, call in for personal guidance, creating crazy, sexy midlife love in your life. And hello, welcome. My name is Morgana. This is my husband, Devin. Welcome to Crazy Sexy Midlife Love. Uh, very exciting. We are getting our second shots this weekend. Oh, right. Yeah. yeah. That's true. I think I'm waiting like in a football-sized coliseum where I don't get out of the car, and I will wind endlessly through cones, but I will get that shot. I'm looking forward to it. Well, good. Devin is House Pfizer. I am House Moderna. I, on the other hand, will be going to a small little clinic where there's plenty of parking and there's no wait, and I'll be in and out in a half hour, even if I show up early for my appointment. Uh, and then we'll get to kind of see how our reactions are to the, the different vaccines. Like neither of us had anything after the first shot. And hopefully we will continue having very boring reactions to getting protection so that we can start traveling again. Yeah, that's the part that I miss. Without question, we've talked a lot about traveling, or at least as much as we can during this time where it doesn't really make any sense to travel. Uh, but, you know, I think we're both sort of like ready. We're both ready. We're still trying to figure out where to go and how it's going to look. And I think the the latest we heard is that Mexico's routing everybody through Mexico City, probably because they have uh, the facilities to take care of people who might be getting off a plane and not doing well. They probably have the hotel rooms where they can quarantine and all that kind of stuff. Well, seriously, because uh, I decided I want to go to San Miguel uh, every year for 10 years, I've been leading my annual uh, women's leadership and money spiritual retreat in Bali, my money goddess retreat. And Bali is not open to international travel until 2022. And I love San Miguel de Allende, Mexico. So it's been in the back of my mind since maybe 2016 that I would love to do my retreat in Mexico. And so this is the year that I'm going to do my retreat in Mexico in September when I think it'll be fine. But I want to take a trip. It's an excuse. It's a business trip for anybody in the IRS watching. It really is legitimately a business trip. But... I also love to go to San Miguel de Allende and I want to do some location scouting for like extra things to do on the retreat, but we cannot go to Mexico right now. Um, well, maybe we could because it's a business reason. I don't know. It's, you know, it's under restriction. We'll find out what the rules are on April 21st, but in for now it's still under restriction. So I, I honestly don't know that we can, buy tickets and know that we can get into the country when we want to in May or June. So it's, you know, it's still touch and go. But I got to say that just getting that first shot and being so close to the second shot is like lifted this year long depression. 
I have been vacuuming and cleaning the house like a mad person. I bet my husband doesn't even know who I am right now. I don't know who's. This is where I believe that some sort of a pod from outer space came down. <laughs> and took that, over my wife. <laughs> I'm making my bed. I'm vacuuming everything. It's insane. I have all this energy and excitement again for the first time in forever. I'm becoming hyper productive. Um, I got my new hearing aid. By the way, this is like how... <laughs> This is, this is middle this, age. Right. This is the crazy, sexy midlife part that's so crazy and sexy. That is like, hearing cr- age it's like Christmas. Oh, my God. I can hear again. You know, just all these things that I'm just motivated to, you know, coach, start programs, fix everything. It's just really, really exciting. And Devin, uh, Devin is like making music. A lot of music, a lot of music, a lot of writing, putting together a new proposal for uh, a fantastic uh, East Coast agent, uh, literary agent. We'll see how it goes. There's always more to be doing. So Mm -hmm. life is good. No complaints. No complaints. Well, most of the time. Right. Except when I'm astonished. But who, who, why are you, who is this person who's vacuuming? Yeah. That is not a thing that, that's yeah. happening here. I don't even need to capture more cats, even though I do have my eye on I know. that cute orange I one. know. That was a deep, a deep sigh on my part of helplessness. <laughs> of helplessness and house cats. Yeah. Uh, well, there are always more guitars to be had. Devin that's and true. I have a deal. I have but- my eye on one. Yeah, I know. One. It's so funny. Um, I walk. I walk into you know into your room and y- your computer is out and you're like you're watching guitar porn. Just totally, <laughs> totally. That's what there is. So but this is the crazy sexy part. Crazy sexy. Yeah. Like, hey kids, this is what you have to look forward some guitars, to. <laughs> Head banging, good time. Yeah. So last week we were talking about the power of your posse and how important it is to have like. Healthy friends who are in good relationships, who love you, love your partner, and can be sort of like your go-to when you're feeling triggered in your relationship. Because no matter how happy you are and how great the relationship is, there's going to be that moment of, oh, my God, what? how did I choose this person? Oh, no. Oh, my God. What am I going to do? Freak out, meltdown crazy. And it's really, really important to have a sane resource outside of your head. So, so of course that begs the question. Yes. Is it possible while you're putting together this posse that is supportive and nurturing, is it conceivable that while you're on that journey of finding a great posse that you pick duds, not only can you find a dud in your relationship, you can find a dud in your posse, you can find people that don't necessarily like on one level may seem as though they are supportive and nurturing. And perhaps that's not always the case. I think that's a good point. Um, there's a, a, a friend of ours, Chelly Campbell, um, a writer friend of ours, talks about uh Three kinds of people, and I think this is from her poker days. There are dolphins, and there are shark, and there are tuna. And dolphins are like really uplifting, healthy, 
happy to play with you people and then tuna are kind of perpetual victims and they get they get their energy from drama and victimhood and it's not that they're bad and i think we all have our tuna moments but tuna are very dangerous to dolphins because they can get us caught in their net and pull us down with them and then there are sharks and the great thing about being a dolphin is dolphins actually can fight with sharks but you really don't want to you because you don't want to be fighting and it takes a lot of energy and you're going to be bloody but one of the ways you can recognize a shark is even if they sound like a dolphin sound like they're supportive sound like they you know are on your team if you feel like you're bleeding afterwards like you feel less than then that's a shark and so your job is to be a dolphin be a supportive responsible strong healthy happy person and just swim along looking for other dolphins and when you see the tuna just swim away and when you see the shark just swim away so we're looking for more dolphins and today's guest is going to help us with that uh i love dr roberta shaler and by the way every guest that we have on the show they're all people we know like i don't want to be inviting you in to somebody that i haven't vetted who i don't trust who i don't actually know and admire and dr roberta shaler is the relationship help coach i a doc, the relationship help doctor that's 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 her title um and she helps you spot and recognize and remove yourself from and recover from toxic people so that you can have really healthy empowered relationships and then she helps you make that good relationship with that right person better and better and better and she calls that kaizen for couples and so she's going to be joining us talking about how to spot and swim away from those toxic energy suckers that you can have all the relationship skills and best intentions in the world and you're never going to really get what you want from being in relationship with certain people and it's really good to just like recognize that it's part of growing up i think and then when you're in that person that you adore who is driving you stark crazy because i promise you that will happen too this is how to she will help you not burn the whole house down so let's let's bring in dr roberta hi did i did i introduce you accurately oh i think so and i think i can talk about sharks and tunas and how we burn their house down <laughs> So how let's start. Let's start because I you know, I came from such a forgiving um it's all my fault trying to make it work with the wrong people place when I was young. Like it's one of the reasons I'm really so happy to not be young. And I think to be able to start to talk about how to make a relationship work with the right people we should talk about who are not the right people and how to spot them so that you can be pouring your love where it belongs. So yes, can you it's wise. <laughs> so I love the term hijackles like they hijack. I guess the relationship. Can you talk about what hijackles are and how we spot them? 
Absolutely. The reason I created and trademarked the term hijackles is because I found too many people going to Google and pretending that Google was a mental health professional. And so they felt that they had a diagnosis and that was just wrong. That's the wrong foot to start on if you're looking for help. So I thought, let's have a term that anyone can use. And my definition of a hijackle is a person who hijacks a relationship for their own purposes and then relentlessly scavenges it for power, for status, and for control. So this allows us to talk about traits, patterns, behaviors, and cycles without needing a clinical definition or a diagnosis. And that really frees us up because we have to realize if we find ourselves in one of these relationships, we're there too. So just talking about what's wrong with the other person is just not going to be enough. So that's why I created the term. That's what we talk about. And you know these people because you just feel badly around them. And if you happen to be somebody who's accommodating, somebody who maybe likes to please people, not necessarily overly, but you like to, you're compassionate, you're healthy, they like to rule the show. So they are going to be changing your words, twisting your words, not taking any responsibility or accountability for their actions or their words. You will always find yourself on the blamed end. Everything will be your fault. They will find fault with you. They will put you down, tear you down, and wear you down. And pretty soon you're just exhausted. So if all that's sounding a bit familiar... Maybe you're with a hijackal. Or was. Or was. Or yeah. were raised by one. Yeah. Ooh. So if you were raised by a hijackal and that was sort of your normal, that's that's what love was to you. How do you break out of like a lifetime of repeating that? Well, first of all, it's the recognition that you pointed out before, because when we're little, that's the only experience of family we have. And that experience of family is telling us who we are. And that experience of family telling us who we are happens before we have parietal and prefrontal lobe development in our brain, which happens somewhere between five and seven years old. And so we're taking it all in emotionally. And we don't realize that that's the installation of our basic operating principles. <laughs> and so there may be viruses and malware and Trojan horses and all kinds of things put into that. So recognition is the first thing. Okay, was it a happy home? Did I feel validated? Were they welcoming me by joy? Were they saying... We love, we love you. We wanted you. We're interested in you. Would they make eye contact? Would they listen to your feelings? All of that kind of thing. And if you realize that that didn't happen, maybe you'll get a little clue as to why you may be accepting less than wonderful behavior from potential mates or a mate that you have. So there's a big influence in that way. I was raised an only child of two hijackals. So why do I do this work? Because I've been there, done that. I have the nasty video and the ragged t-shirt, you know. <laughs> I had to figure it all out. So if we look back at our parenting, the messages that we got about ourselves, and then we see and extrapolate, where am I now? 
That can be very informative. Devin, have you had hijackles in your past? Oh, yeah. And I mean, and, and to be quite honest with you, there's probably somebody running around saying I was a hijackal. And I think it's a process. I mean, I think, you know, uh, you know, I can't speak on how other people are because um, I'm not I'm not clinical. I don't have the clinical expertise to do that. What I will say is that I think um, in my own process, I think I started to really having to take a look at myself and and sort of my own responsibility within a, a particular circumstance. And over time you get, you get better at that in acknowledging sort of your, your shortcomings. Um, you know, when I dealt with it from other people, I had to start, you know, I think part of, for me, and I know this is, I'm probably going to be talking around it, um, is that I think for me, a lot of it came down to uh, what was happening within the relationship and how close to the truth I thought I was. Because sometimes it's very easy to kind of get lost in a pretty face or, uh, you know, I had a dream and there she was. And so this is the truth. And, and maybe that's part of the truth. And maybe, maybe people show up in your lives so you can learn from them and you can grow from them in different points in time. And I, I think what started to happen for me in particular is I, I started really examining uh, less about what people were doing to me, and there was plenty of that. But when I started taking responsibility for the kind of life that I wanted wanted to have, it became easier for me to say, hey, I don't think we are a match. I don't think we're working out. And so uh, that part felt increasingly good where it was like okay i'm i'm not doing this out of some sort of a reaction that oh well i have to stay in the the relationship because i feel as though i'll just be alone forever and i think that's what kept me in a relationship uh it where where i was in a relationship where i was overstaying my welcome we weren't Mm -hmm. in other words we were really we were filling each other's uh, pieces where the other person got to be a hijackal and i got to be uh, a victim of that thing. Um, and again, it was like, I think there's a certain measure of maturity that was going on where I was all of a sudden it was like, you know, the more responsibility that I'm taking over this thing, a, the more my esteem, my self-esteem went up, uh, and the more, the, the less viability the relationship had in my life. So I don't know if I'm talking around the thing. Well, you brought up something I was really curious about because I don't like the disempowered feeling of like, well, I was always the healthy victim one just choosing horrible partners because that just sounds a little insane to me. So I was wondering, is it possible that like we switch roles sometimes, like sometimes I'm the hijackal and sometimes I choose a hijackal if I grew up in that kind of dynamic? Um, No, not really, because hijackal behaviors are so learned and so ingrained that most people will behave from them in a steady way. Um, Now, I I make a distinction because I can, because it's my term, but I have have a grade between white hat hijackals, gray hat hijackals, and black hat hijackals. So, you know, if you grew up in an environment where you just learned to respond to a hijackal behavior, 
that may be a pattern for you that you can change. You can say, this is uncomfortable. It's like Devin was saying, okay, let me take responsibility for this. I'm in it. I'm not liking it. What's going on here? Why was I attracted to it? And why do I continue it? And you sit back and say, I don't just want someone who fills the relationship compartment. I actually want a partner. So a white hat hijackle would do that. You know, a gray hat hijacko would have a little more difficulty with it. And a black hat hijacko would say, who, me? You think there's something wrong with me? It's all your fault. And that's not going to change. <laughs> so there are these these gradations in my scale <laughs> that some people can and really see their behavior. They don't like it when they behave that way. And they feel badly when they behave that way. And they want to change. And then you go to the black side and it's like, there is nothing wrong with me. Everything is your fault. When you're in that situation, there's not going to be any change. You are the one who has to make a decision. Do I leave now? Do I leave later? Do I leave this instant? Or am I going to say, I choose this? Mm. Yeah, it makes, it just reminds me of um, a relationship that I was in just out of college where I felt like I was going crazy. Because things were happening, but it was so, it was always denied and it was always like put back on me that it, I just felt like I was going insane. Um, So I think that that person was a hijackal based on what you're sharing. Uh, Well, what type, what color? I think I, I vote black. (laughs) I vote black. Maybe, maybe he's matured into gray. I mean, you know, when, when we're young, I think we tend to be a little more extreme and we get, you know, we get our heart broken and we start to learn things and grow up. So I have no idea what he's like now. Um, Well, maybe he was just being who is, who was his parents modeled to be. And he was following in that pattern. And maybe, maybe he got a few of those things a little bit wrong and realized it. And maybe he didn't. Maybe he can't even allow himself because this whole hijackal thing, it's based in shame. If you were shamed when you were a child for being who you are or having needs or having wants, or the only way I say that hijackals have children, they only have them for three reasons in my books. They want someone to agree with them, someone to serve their purposes, and someone to validate them by making them look good. Mm. So if you were raised by somebody who had those expectations of you, you would have been having someone shoot at your feet and you were dancing as hard as you can. And in that, you would feel shame that I can never be good enough. When you're with a hijackal, they will, you know, you'd say, what do I do to please you? And the hijackal will say, do this. So you do that. And they say, oh, that's not what I really wanted. I want something different. They always move the marker. They always have to be in control. They always have to be right. So they can't allow you to ever live up to their expectations because they'll just change the expectations. So when you have a family that's oriented in that way or that's happening, you can get into that groove and feel really shamed. I don't have a place. I'm not good enough. I can't do it well enough. I'll never live up to their expectations. And when we're little, you know, we need those giants. Otherwise, we can't survive. We're not like horses and and uh, cows. We don't get spit out of our mother, licked off, and then leap up and run around the meadow. 
we know that we need them to move us, to feed us, to take care of us. So we start doing what they want us to do and figuring out how to how to make it feel a little safe. So if you've had a history of doing that, like perhaps that fellow that you first met, he may be so shamed that he can't allow the idea of him making a mistake or being wrong. So therefore, it must be you. That was like a light bulb going on for me because um, I used to like choose guys because I sort of bonded with their wounds and I had this desire to like make up for the love that they never had, which by the way is a terrible way to pick people. Um, but yeah, he did. He had that shame and he had those rejecting parents. And so it's sounding to me like it could split either way. Like you could have those parents and you could become a hijackle or you could have those parents and then be attracted to hijackles. Absolutely. It'll split both ways, but there's a third way, you know, for me, I just happened not that I wasn't deeply wounded by it and had to do a lot of work, but I did happen to have the turn of mind when I was little and I don't know why I just looked at them and went, you know, you guys are nuts. (laughs) (laughs) And so I took them with a grain of salt. And you're a doctor. So that's a, that's a clinical diagnosis. (laughs) Yeah. That, yeah. I write that one down in the DSMs. Uh, But um, I just had that feeling like they would argue with each other and, and I would say, you know, you guys are nuts. Um, and then I realized to internalize that it did me no good to say that out loud, <laughs> but then I would just do what I wanted and tell them what they wanted to hear. So that all worked out for me because they were very, very dysfunctional and very unhappy. But yes, I mean, if you come from that kind of background, you may become a hijackal. You may become really attractive to hijackals and attracted to hijackals mainly because they're comfortably uncomfortable. They're familiar if you come from that background. I did it. You know, I have three children. I married a hijackal. Of course you do. You don't know any different. Like, that's the way it is. But I I got a whole lot smarter quite soon and decided that, no, we won't do that anymore, right, and ended that. But then it was a lifelong pursuit. Okay, what tentacles have been put around my soul by eye upbringing and how do I heal that? Because back when I was looking for healing, no one understood any of this. So one of the things that I say, Morgana, is hijackals paint a public picture of perfection and at home they create a private place of pain. Mm. So when you go out of your home to talk to a therapist or talk to a pastor or talk to a friend and say, when you're a child, here's how it is at my house. And they say, how dare you talk about your parents like that? Okay, why? The parents looked wonderful. They owned a store. They they were out in the community all the time behaving in ways that I didn't recognize at home. So those kinds of things happen. So this also happens when you get into a relationship with one. That person may be a star at work or maybe a high achiever or may have an elevated position in the community, 
because they are, they like to be validated for being seen to do well and do good. And so, the, you know, we'll even find them among ministers and other clergy. We'll find them uh, doctors, lawyers, all kinds of people who enjoy having power over others and do it excessively because they can. And so they'll look great on the outside and at home they will be wreaking havoc and then when you go to somebody who isn't well-versed in, say, narcissistic abuse, as I am, they'll say, well, you should try harder. Or maybe you're not meeting the needs of the other person. And that gets really, really difficult because the person goes to the therapist in order to be heard and seen and acknowledged. And then they don't get that. They're told they're wrong and they should do things differently and that is a travesty, in my opinion. They're being gaslit from both directions. Right. Yeah. yeah so, there's no relief in it. Um, you have a book about hijackles, right? Because I'm thinking there's got to be some kind of list of questions or checklists or things that somebody can look for. What is the name of your book? And I'll make sure that we have a link to it in the show notes. Sure. I have three books about hijackles, but I have a free one, and that's called How to Spot a Hijackal. There so you go. <laughs> you want to look at that. And also on my website for relationshiphelp.com, I have a free checklist. Am I in a relationship with a toxic hijackal? So there are other checklists there. They're all free to help you understand what's going on in your relationship. So how do you, how do you change it up? I mean, obviously, I'm, I'm sure there's probably no shortages of people who are watching this who are thinking, yeah, no, you just nailed it. You just nailed it. This is the situation I'm in. I'm unhappy. What do I do? Where do I go? Where do I start? Because I'm assuming, like with most things, it's never a light switch. Oh, I'm in this terrible relationship. Whoop, flip the switch. Oh, I'm out and everything's great. Uh, what's what's the, you know, is is there is there a starting you know, how do you start the momentum? momentum? And is it dangerous? Oh, yeah. Good it can question. be. That's a really good question. So let me answer them separately. The first one, how do you start? First of all, learn to recognize it and then really feel into it. You know, my podcast is called Save Your Sanity and Help for Toxic Relationships. So there's 200 plus episodes over there. Go and say, oh, you're, there's that. There's that. I should think about that. Start to realize the depth of what's going on. Kind of feel your way into it, lean into it, and then say, okay, this is clearly what's going on for me. I need some help. I need to get further insights. You know, I've written a lot about this. My YouTube channel is 550 videos about it. So you're not going to have any problem getting the information you need. But to answer your question, Devin, once you become informed in that way and you really felt your way into it, then the next thing is to get help because the decision to leave is similar to the decision to join that person and be attracted to them and make some kind of commitment to them. Getting out of that is difficult. So I'll answer it that way, but then I'll answer Morgana's piece. Is it dangerous? Well, it can be. If you're with a black hat hijackal, you're probably experiencing great movement between silent treatment and rage. And these things are happening. And even if the rage is underground and just passive aggressive as it can be, 
you're experiencing this and you get kind of afraid of it. You don't want to poke hijackles ever because that never ends well. <laughs> so, you know, if you're thinking of leaving a hijackle, don't have that conversation with the hijackle. Never tell them you're leaving. Never threaten to leave. Make your decision. Get some help to make a clear decision so you know why and you're going to stick with your why and keep moving forward, even though you're tempted to go back. You know, the research supports that people leave dysfunctional, abusive relationships seven times before they're gone for good. I want to change that statistic. That's why I'm writing a new book. It's called Emerging Empowered. Um, breaking the bonds of emotional abuse mm. because I want people to emerge empowered. I don't want them to, if there's physical or sexual abuse, yes, go directly to the police, the hospital, deal with it and leave, keep yourself safe or change your locks. But if not, I encourage people to become empowered from within the relationship, try some things, build yourself, regain yourself, reclaim yourself, and then make decisions because then you will have gained the financial information. You will have dealt with spiritual issues within yourself about, is this right? Is this good? Am I being a good person? You will understand the psychological and emotional impact of it. And then you'll say, yes, this is in the best interest of myself and my children, everyone. Uh, this is what I have to do. And even though emotionally I'm drawn back to it, like, oh, but I really love him or her. Yeah, you can love them, but love them from a really safe distance. <laughs> I, so, I love a parent like that. And I really, really do love my parent. Um, but when we allow somebody to abuse us, we're abusing ourselves. Mm -hmm. um, it's not loving some, to allow someone to abuse you. Yeah. Um, not loving to the abuser either, but they will never see that. <laughs> at some point, you just get tired of the drama and, and you gain a perspective to be able to look at that person with love and know that no good can come from contact, you right. know, does not diminish the love um, because we can also see the wound in that person. Uh, so it sounds like it would help a fire, any therapist who blames you <laughs> And have any kind of support you can get on the outside, whether it's a friend or a coach or a therapist to like help you make the transition, you know, to kind of because uh, it sounds very scary to be making this plan in secret all by yourself without any support on the outside saying, no, you're not crazy. And remember why you're doing this, I think would be really, really helpful to have a voice of sanity on your team outside of the relationship. Um, can, I, can I ask you a question? I'm sorry, were you about to say something, Dr. Roberto? No, go ahead. And this is, by the way, what you do, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So I'm assuming that because much of, I think, what human nature is, is developing patterns of behavior, um, if somebody is in a relationship long term with a hijackal, I, if you just simply remove the individual who's causing you harm, uh, that's probably a great step. But isn't it likely to repeat itself with that person and just replacing one hijackal with another? 
Um, so, I mean, is there sort of like a spiritual counseling or therapy or coaching or something that, so let's say, uh, you know, imaginary person X is in this relationship. They've established what the problem is. The person, the, the, uh, the other person goes away, but you're still left with the original person who is attracting that type of person in the first place. Is there sort of a, a thought process behind uh, how that person uh, changes so they're not still attracted to or attracting the wrong kind of person in a relationship. I know Absolutely. that was a lot. There was a lot of words in that <laughs> all over the place. But with any like, was that in English? It's difficult to know yeah. for me. What sometimes. is what is what is your process for like not being the per? To repeating the to, the to get oh yeah to to break the pattern. Well, yes. I mean, that's what Emerging Empowered is all about. Yes, this is what I do all day. <laughs> I have clients all over the world who come to me for these things. But the, the thing is that, what, first of all, you have to understand that you have the right to say this isn't working for me. Then you need to pinpoint what isn't working, make a decision. So maybe that decision is to leave. And yes, it is lonely to do that without saying to the hijack, oh, I can hardly wait to be away from you. I understand that completely, but it does no good. And if they're black hat hijackals, then you, that's where it becomes truly dangerous. So you don't want to say anything. I mean, a black hat hijackal needs to be left and, and served with papers on the same day if you're divorcing them. So they come home and there's nobody there and there's no conversation. Um, other, other things have different permutations. But the recovery process goes from recognizing the traits and patterns and cycles to realizing the impact it is having on you, to realigning who you are and what you expect, then to the recovery process and then to the rebuilding your life according to what you would like to have in your life and what that looks like that is the opposite of what you have had. But you have to believe you deserve it. And there is a process that people go through for that. That's the one I created that allows them to lean into that. And everybody has a different recovery time. It takes quite a while. People ask me all the time, if I get out of here, how soon can I date? Oh, no. Whoa. <laughs> Don't do that. Um, date yourself. I always tell people, if you want me to give you a number, I'm going to give you 12. That's 12 months. One trip around the sun to date yourself and do your healing work before you decide that you want to engage in something else. I've had clients, Devin, that have had five marriages to hijackals before they came to see me. And their question is, are there any good people in the world? Why am I in this terrible state all the time? And of course, the relief of finally getting out of that last one, in that particular case, helping her get out of that last one with any sense of sanity and equanimity, and then healing what she never wants to experience again. So she needed to heal things to not find that attractive and not attract that to her. 
And it is a process and everyone deserves to go through that process so that we're just saying no to the obvious dysfunction. Because if you don't know how to see these. Oh, you, we couldn't, we couldn't see that. Oh, is that a red flag? The red flag. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, Very cool. You, and for the, yeah, the people just listening in, Dr. Roberta was <laughs> waving a red flag. And, and she has like a, a like a green screen background. A beautiful It's background. actually beautiful, but it was it was playing with her with with her red flag wave. Right. So I have to have it here so it waves. Um but anyway, you know, you want to be able to see the red flags and you have to go through the healing process. So even if you do have someone come into your orbit afterwards, you know what the red flags are. People ask me that all the time in my Facebook groups and in my my community that I have off Facebook. Um, you know, what do I do? How do I know that I can trust again? First of all, you have to be able to trust yourself again. And then you will know that you can calibrate what's going on when you're out in the dating world again. And please, please, please take your time. Take a whole bunch of time to heal before you go back out in the dating world because you don't want to repeat that experience. And if you have children, you don't want them to go through it again with you. I imagine if you have children, really part of what you're doing is you're modeling for your children of what you want for them to have. And so I assume you have to have strong boundaries and be conscious in your decision-making as a rule. So they get to see that as something that's worthwhile bringing into their own life. Which is the best segue ever for your work with couples, Kaizen for couples. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, sure. I hesitate to hold up this red book. (laughs) Uh, called Kaizen for Couples. Yeah, it, but, it goes <laughs> back from in. seeing to invisible to seeing it. Yeah, but it, the subtitle is Smart Steps to Save, Sustain, and Strengthen Your Relationship. And how it came about, I've written 16 books. So how this one came about was someone said, have you written one book where you put all the things you tell couples to improve their relationship? I said, no, would you write it? So I did. And it's really important for us to realize Kaizen is a Japanese term that came out of the um, manufacturing industry by uh, Edward Demings. Um, It's small, positive, incremental change. So we may want to make small, positive, incremental changes in our relationship. So all of the things that I teach couples who wanting to grow closer are in the book and we need to have roadmaps because we've come from different relationships. You came from a different family than your partner came from. The ways that people manage conflict, the way they communicate, their body gestures, their facial expressions, their tone of voice. We give different meaning to it depending on what we've come from in our background. So we need to learn how, how to make ourselves into a we And in every relationship, there are three entities. There are two me's and a we. And we need to get to the place where we have the three must-haves of a healthy adult relationship, in, in my opinion. And those three are equality, reciprocity, and mutuality. And that's the absolute bedrock of having a healthy adult relationship with anybody, But then in the book, I talk about what you put on top of that if you're in a partnership relationship. 
So those are what I call the relational gifts. And you have to have a gift to give it. You can want to give a gift, but if you don't have it, you can't give it. So you need to have these five things within you. And they are honesty, safety, trust, respect, and reliability. And once you start working in those realms, you start leaning into that, you start saying, how could I do that better? How could I be a better partner? Then we begin to see that the me and the me can trust one another to have the best interest of the we. And when we do that, we follow all the things that are in Kaizen for Couples. And right at the back, it uh, there's a... A graphic. The thing about this book, if you buy the print book, it's available as as uh, e ebook too. But it's all in color inside. <laughs> but there is a graphic, and here's the goal. It says, "Lasting love requires much more than fond gazes, warm embraces, and good intentions. It is only present when both of you can say without reservation and with trust, honesty, and respect." I choose you no matter the circumstances. And that's where we want to get to in a healthy relationship. And then everybody will be elevated and the we will be strong and the me's will be strong and everybody will have a smile on their face. And I assume, you know, when you make the we strong, uh, it's just taking a huge load off of the me. Well, it is. Yeah, you can count on the other me, and you know you can. You know, in Grey's Anatomy, when it first came out, they, they there was this, you're going to be my person. Well, you need to have a person. And when you choose a partner, you're choosing your person, right? If you didn't choose your person and you got a person outside the relationship, we got a problem, <laughs> so how do you choose to be each other's person? Well, you have to have honesty, safety, trust, respect, and reliability within the relationship on a basis of equality, reciprocity, and mutuality. Then you feel safe. You can be vulnerable, and your vulnerabilities are not weaponized against you, and that's a big deal. I'm thinking that that book, even though it's written for couples, is also really, really useful for singles because it's showing you what to be looking for. Like you aren't going to find it on the first date because you're not committed on the first date, but you can listen and feel for, is this person honest? Is this person reliable? You can find out a lot just by asking and listening on the first date. And then just as time goes on, it's just a great reference to go back to. Are are these is equality and reciprocity and mutuality happening? And am I being honest and respectful and trustworthy and the other two things? I'm not safe, sure. Safe and reliable. <laughs> safe <Yeah>. and reliable. <laughs> and is that person, you know, looking looking for looking for evidence that it's there or not there also makes the red flags clearer. And then the choosing, well, I think, you know, that Devin came up with the idea that we just keep getting married because that's how we keep choosing each other, no matter what's going on. Yeah, um, absolutely. I, that might even be a very nice wedding vow that you have there at the back of the book. Yeah, no, I made note of that. <laughs> I, I made a particular note of that. Um, yeah. So, so 
Reciprocity is one of my favorite words of all time. And for me, the way I define it, because I don't have a dictionary in front of me, is that uh, I'm going to give a little. I'm going to give a little and they're going to give a little and we'll get better at giving a little for each other. And overall, for me, like the more you do that, the more it's going to snowball into a certain measure of certainty. Uh, I'm curious how you would define sort of mutuality. Equality, I think, is sort of like a topic, you know, sort of like a part of the national conversation right now. So I think I have a better handle on that. But how would you how would you describe mutuality? Was I I close with was I close with reciprocity? You were close. I just want to put one caveat in there, Devin. Please. Reciprocity has nothing to do with scoreboards and tit for tat. And you didn't suggest that, but I'm putting that caveat in for listeners because reciprocity means that each of us can give and each of us can receive. And that if I can do something for you, I will. And you, if I can, you can do something for me, you will. And that we have the emotional maturity to ask. And if the answer is no, we can accept that because we ask and we trust the other human. But mutuality is to know each other so well that you know that you want for the other what they want for themselves, that you are absolutely supportive of their journeys mutually and that you you do what's best for each other what's best for the we frequently, right? So that what's best is two me's that are independent who choose to become interdependent, not codependent. So that's a very powerful idea. So mutuality is, I know what you want, babe, and I'm 100% behind you. And if there's anything that I can do to support you, I will. I'd love to see you manifest your dreams and live the life you want. And each person has that. And that's what mutuality feels like. That's really having your person. Mm. Mm. Yeah, no, I think those are, I think those are really uh, uh, critical. Uh, we actually have a question. Can I ask you? Uh, it's, it says, has the doctor ever known a hijackle that changed? And by the way, are primarily your clients people suffering the effects of hijackles or somebody who's an admitted hijackle? Which I don't know how many people would admit that, but that's as an aside. Well, then we come back to the the gradations of hijackalness. <laughs> you know, um, most of my clients are people who contact me initially and say, "I think I'm with a hijackal. Can you can you help me understand?" And then I often say, you know, I, I give them some validation and what I think. Uh, but then they say, "Well, can this relationship be saved?" Well, I don't know what degree of hijackal they're dealing with. So then often we will work together for a while to see what happens. And then I will work with the couple to see what can be shifted. You know, what growth can we have and um, will it be satisfactory or sufficient? But I also have clients and increasing numbers who are saying, like I had a fellow last night, he said, I've listened to 65% of your podcasts I drive for a living. I listen to one after the other for the last two weeks. I think I'm a hijackal. I don't want to be one. Indicator, deep in the gray area, almost black, but I got a glimpse 
of white. <laughs> and he says, can you help me? Well, a hijackal who says, I am a hijackal and I don't like it. Yes, I can help you. He said, how long will it take? Will it take five years? And I said, I don't know, but I'd give yourself 18 months. He said, oh, that's a relief. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Um, the, well, the he, answer, set the, he set the bar high. Well, he was willing to say, right. you know, I, I know how damaged I am. And because I see the results in my relationships, I mean, he could honestly say, I don't feel anything. In fact, he said these words, when my baby was ill and wouldn't go to sleep, I walked the floor with him because it didn't bother me that he was crying. I have little empathy. I did what I needed to do, but I can tell you honestly, I felt nothing. Well, somebody who can say that, we're on our way. We're on our way to making a difference. Because obviously, if you say that and you hear yourself and you say, I don't want that, then you want to change. But hijackals who would never come to see me or would never admit that they have a hijackal nature or would never admit that they have a fault, no, they're so damaged that they are going to continue shaming. And, you know, if we go back to the beginning of the program, sharks are what we call overt hijackals. They're the ones that you you see them, they're arrogant, they're delusional, they're always telling the story their way, they're gaslighting everybody. But the tuna are the covert ones. They're under there just nipping at you all the time, waiting to take a bigger bite, and they don't show up in the same way. They're always playing the victim. Poor me. Nobody cares what I think. Nobody cares what I need, you know, and is demonstrated in my relationship. So there are all these variations. So the answer is, depending on your degree of hijackalness and your willingness to say, I don't like who I am when I behave these ways, is the degree to which you will change. Mm. I And then the question is, will the change stick? And I guess you can only wait and see. My mom well, would go through cycles of mea culpa, what have I done? And she would get really wonderful. And then over time, it would just kind of slip back into old patterns. Yeah, that happens. You know, when a couple comes to me and they really want to fix things, but things are really terrible, I've had a few that I've suggested, all right, if you really want to fix this and it's really a high priority, you should each get your own place. You should commit to 18 months of work. And we need to be calibrating all the time. Is there sustained change? Because, you know, I do a lot of memes and my Facebook, if you go to facebook.com slash hijackles, there are a whole lot of memes there. And it, it's important for us to, to recognize what the patterns are of these hijackles, that, that they, they, they just don't have the ability or willingness to see what's going on often, and therefore... They don't like it when you poke them or you don't like them. They don't like it when you tell them that they they are a particular way. But when when you are looking at all these pieces, these memes and things to say, ah, that's what's happening. Or if you follow me on Facebook, I put them on my on my page. It's Relationship Help Doctor um, so that we can see, oh, there's a little snippet. There's some of that because this change thing that you were speaking of and this flip flopping 
the sustained change is what's important because one of the memes is an apology without a change of behavior is simply an appeasement. So what you're talking about with your mom, it sounds as though she maybe had some borderline tendencies because she could flip flop for longer periods of time. But the the thing is there that you apologize to get people off your back. So you maybe you're good for two, three weeks and then that all fades away. <laughs> and and then, you know, you're back to the poor behavior. Because you, the, the apology was not indicating I made a mistake and I will change. The, the apology was a faux apology, which is let me appease you in the moment by making nice and get you off my back, and then I'll go do what I want. I don't know how much time we have left, but before we wrap up, um, I assume that hijackles don't appear like horrible gaslighting abusive villains and black hats on the first date no right. no they're love bombing they're they're going to be the person that wants you very quickly to believe that you've died and gone to heaven and found your soulmate that's a good thing to watch for too like that could be another red flag Time, people. Take time when you're dating. Time. Somebody asked me today, again, the same thing. They said, what should I do? I said, you should watch for a year. Just watch for a year. You know, little things are showing up. Great. Keep watching. When the thing, the little things show up and they show up and they show up and you start believing that's who they are, then that's when you make a decision, the decision to leave. So, to wrap this up, the books that our audience should start with is How to Spot a Hijackal, and I'll make sure that we have a link to that in the show notes. And then once you get rid of the hijackal and you have found your person or you're looking for your person, yeah, if you're taking you, a break from dating, but you are getting ready for that person and you're going to take at least 12 months. I took a bunch of years. <laughs> uh, to, you know, just clear out the energy and the wound and the the yearning before I started dating and, and then met Devin. Very wise. But, so you start with how to spot a hijackal if you have a suspicion that you know one and I'm, I would be, you know, everybody does. we all have. And, and then you want Kaizen for couples. And uh, in the middle, in the middle of Morgana, yeah. I wrote a book called Escaping the Hijackal Trap. So if you recognize you're with a hijackal, you need to know how to escape. And that takes you through all the thought processes that you need to consider in order to take yourself uh, on a better path. And then read Kaizen for couples. Inform yourself before you go dating. But take the time to heal between the hijackal and the Kaizen for couples. Take the time to recognize that you attracted the hijackal. You were attractive to the hijackal. Let's figure that out. Let's not repeat that pattern. And then here's the new operating principles. Read Kaizen for couples. Perfect. That bridge. And what is the name of your podcast? Save Your Sanity. Help for Toxic Relationships. Aww. All these things you can find at my website or relationshiphelp.com. Fantastic. We will have links to everything in our show notes. Thank you so much. This was wonderful. Um, it was great. Yeah, wonderful to see you again. 
Good to see you too. We'll have to have you back. Uh, so this has been an episode of Crazy Sexy Midlife Love with a very heavy, heavy emphasis on the crazy. <laughs> we'll try to get back to some more, you know, the sexy love stuff next week. We are here every Wednesday at 5 p.m. Pacific time, Crazy Sexy Midlife Love. And if you liked what you heard today, yeah, come back to the show notes and check out all of Dr. Roberta Shaler's stuff. And also go to crazysexymidlifelove.com and join our Crazy Sexy Love family. Download Devin's book, Women Are Smarter Than Men. Dr. Roberta Shaler is evidence of that. And and come back and see us next week and mwah, have a great week. Thank you for listening to Crazy Sexy Midlife Love. Please sign up to join our free love family at crazysexymidlifelove.com. To get alerts to live shows, call in and ask questions, or just listen in. And ladies, don't forget to download Devin's free ebook, Women Are Smarter Than Men and Other Secrets Marriage Minded Women Need to Know. Also available at crazysexymidlifelove.com. <laughs>